We ran the same trail together, right beside each other, both pulled out our Strava after probably three or four minutes. His blue dot went one way and mine went the other way. So we were like, uh oh, (laughs) shit. Hello, my friends, and welcome back to the next episode. I have a fun one for you guys today. This is great if you are just starting out in the trails and I have teamed up with fellow podcaster Molly, who was on, ooh, I don't know what episode, maybe I'll put that in the show notes. Um, An episode is called, it's in the details. She is also a coach. She is also an author. She's very high energy and I always get such an amazing response when I chat with her. She's also Canadian over, actually, you know what? She might be American, but she's living in Ontario right now. Anyways, she's freaking awesome. I love chatting with Molly and we have been having a shared Google Doc about like, what are we going to talk about? Um, We need to get together and chat more because I think we just vibe and I want to be her friend a a lot. Um, So... I guess I could say she is my friend. Could we go that far, Molly? Could we do that? Uh, So we decided to talk about our top trail tips in this episode. So I know that I'm not cheating on Tori. Tori will know this is happening. This is like, hey, I meet you on the street. You've never been in the trails. And you're like, I need to know the top 10 pieces of advice you would give me. We did that today together. We went through them. Um, the next thing we're going to do together is talk about Strava and the impact of social media and especially Strava on running. So if you have comments or issues on that, send that in. Maybe we should get Tori involved in that one. And just a quick word from our sponsor before we get going. So you guys already know that Athletic Brewing does delicious craft beers that happen to be non-alcoholic, but that's not the only way that they're making a positive impact. So this is what I thought really resonated with our community, and I'm so jazzed to be telling you guys about this. Um, Through their Two for the Trails program, they're donating 2% of all of their sales to maintaining trails and parks that are often underserved due to government budget shortfalls. So... These spaces are the center of us getting outside, obviously, being active and mindful and creating memories with friends and family. And these are our freaking trails that we're racing on and running on. So the fact that they're giving back is just makes me so stoked. You can read all about it on their website, actually, at athleticbrewing.com. But check them out. The cans are cute. You can get your drink on and still get up bright and early the next day for your long run and feel amazing. And you get free shipping if you order two six packs or more. And you can order this from anywhere. Canada, US, do it, do it. Um, it's 15% off by using the discount code TRAILRUNNINGWOMEN15 at checkout. Okay. I think that's it. Find me on Instagram, hillsport55. Take me with pictures of your athletic brewing. Let's, let's do this. Okay, that's it. I'll start blabbing. Here's Molly. We decided to do an intro together, so she just jumps right in at 100 miles an hour. You will hear. Here she is. All right. Hello, hello. I'm Molly Herford. I've been trail running for, oh my gosh, probably like almost a decade now. Although honestly, my my original trail running was probably on rail trail. And over the years, I feel like I have, I've learned a lot of things from like my first, you know, 5k trail run to like a disastrous trail marathon to now like going out and just doing trail marathons for the heck of it. Uh, yeah. So that's, that's me. How about you, Hillary? <laughs> that was so good. All I could think was, <laughs> You can definitely tell that it's 9 a.m. where Molly is and it's 6 a.m. here and I'm like, oh my God, I need to catch up on energy. Uh, I'm Hillary. I have been trail running for, I have no idea how long, but running since I was a kid, I loved it always and 
did a trail race as like an attempt to do all 8,000 sports in the world, but I loved it so much. I just never did anything else. Um, and now I'm just engrossed in the community, obsessed and want to run races and there are not in Canada. And that's a bummer. And I think things are not any better over in Ontario. So we are jealous of you um, in the U.S. That's yes, I know. I know. Isn't it? Isn't it nuts right now? You're you're hearing about all of these trail runs that are happening in the U.S. and you're just like, oh, I have so much FOMO right now. It's it's awful. Oh. And like, yes, the first summer I definitely was like, oh, you learn to like run because you love it and do FKTs and all these fun things. But just the community aspect of like seeing people at a race and push to their limits that you just don't get um, on your own. I'm kind of missing for sure. A hundred percent. Yeah. No, it's funny. I was just talking to a friend last week who I had like met at a race two years ago and I was like, oh my gosh, I haven't seen you in two years now. And we're just like, it's, it's bananas. And she's been out to Arizona racing and like all this stuff. And I'm just like up here stuck. But you know what? I actually, I'll be honest. I think in this past year, I've realized I'm actually pretty okay without racing, but you're right. I miss the community and like the hangouts with people for sure. Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know if you've done any FKTs or anything, but like, I do like a hard effort and the cool thing. Well, actually, yeah, it was on your podcast with Katie. I was going to say, we've talked FKTs with you before. Yeah. And what I realized was that like in a race, you push because you're in a race, but running with Katie, who is faster than I am, like I would never run 80 K at that, like edge of my limit before out of like fear of blowing up or just like it's really hard. Um, mm-hmm. but when it's instead of just being competitive and I'm super competitive, but like, I don't want to let my friend down seems to be more of a motivation, um, than anything. So it was like cool to find this other realm of like how to push as well. But anyways, that's a random tangent. Yeah. No, I love it. I love it. And so our, our goal for today was to sort of talk about our, our few, uh, trips, uh, tips for trail running, uh, that we sort of wish we had known when we first got started. So we've, we've made this list and now we're just going to kind of, I guess, run through them and sort of talk about some of the, the terrible things that have happened to us over the years and how you can avoid our mistakes. <laughs> yes. And I love this so much. And this was Molly's idea because T- Tori and I get questions for our, episode also called trail tips. Um, but they're very, very specific. And I always have wanted to do like a recap of the, basically the top 10 tips that we have that, like you said, before you get going, cause there's a lot of people who want to know how to start trail running, whether they're coming from road or just the first time ever. So yeah. do, do you want to start with our very first tip? Yes, because it is my favorite. <laughs> so I'll, <laughs> I'll lead that one off. And that one is ABS, which is always bring snacks. So trail running, unlike road running, you know, you could have a a 10K trail run that could easily take you two hours, just depending on the terrain, depending on, you know, how muddy it is, how hilly it is, all that kind of stuff. Or, I mean, honestly, stuff happens, uh, you know, in a way that you can usually call for backup and get a pickup on the road if you're if you're bonking hard. But if you're on the trail, that's not necessarily the case. So I'm a fan of always stashing snacks uh, on me. No matter, no matter how long or short you think you're going out for, bring a little more than you think you need. If you are like planning to go for a longer one, you know, pack for like an extra hour's worth, which is just like a gel or two. It's not, you know, it's not a huge amount, just, just so you have it. And definitely water. Always have water. Uh, I don't know about you, Hillary, but I've been out on some burly runs where suddenly I'm like, oh dear, I, I should have brought a lot more than I, than I brought. Yes, on both of those. So I actually have 
well, most people's vests have like weird little pockets in the front. And I think they're probably for like really safe stuff, like your car key or whatever. That's where I keep my emergency gel. So it like goes through the wash with my pack and it never leaves. So yep. it just lives there and it is never not there. Um, and then the water. Yeah. So I have a, um, filter flask, which is also a good uh, tip for people. You can just get one on Amazon so that you can drink out of kind of like any Creek. But when you get to late summer, those creeks dry up. So yeah, be prepared. And I have had a race actually pre-COVID time where I ran so out of water and I was so thirsty. I was trying to like drink the sweat from my arm. Oh no. But you just want anything. And then finally there was some spectators and I was like, do you guys have any water? And this guy was like, no, but I have some beer. And like, so we had been obviously way out in the mountain by ourselves for hours and then finally got to close enough where people came off this tram and could hike in and some guys like no but I have a beer and I was like that'll work and just like drink the rest of this beer (laughs) and it did feel good I'll tell you that much but yeah definitely do not make that mistake yeah oh that's so good and yes I I love the the filter thing it sounds it sounds so extreme if you're you know just kind of thinking about casual trail running but i think you know we're we're also talking about like being able to build up slowly to these longer distances and i mean honestly even if you're going for like a super chill hike it's not a bad idea to just have this stuff with you and and be prepared maybe it's like the girl scout in me or girl guide i guess for the canadian audience but like the always be prepared has been drilled into my head since i was like 6 so yes yeah. totally and i mean if like especially in canada you're probably going out not into like a park, but just some pretty rugged terrain. So yeah, we, if you haven't watched North Shore Rescue and you're from this side of the country, even if you're not, it's a really good show. It's on the education network or that's not the right word. Um, Some sort of learning network, but it is like, it shows how easy it is to get lost on like a very minimal trail run and how you want these supplies. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Tip number two, you lead this one off because I think you're the one who came up with this brilliant point. (laughs) Okay. So like you just said, you could be going out for a short run that actually takes you two hours. And I find the biggest thing that people do is try to compare their trail times to their road times. So they're like, oh yeah, I ran a 50 minute 10K. So I'm going out into the trails for 10K. It'll probably take around the same time. It's not. It depends on the, yeah, it depends on the terrain. It depends on the elevation. Um, And you added in the point, like it depends on that day's condition. So even if the elevation isn't that high, you might still have like a couple of creeks to to pass. It might be really, really technical single track and then have like rocks, roots, all sorts of things. And I find there's almost no way to explain it to somebody. I even have an athlete who I'm coaching to their first Ironman and they were just looking at my Strava and they haven't really run trails ever before. And sometimes the end result of like a 30 K run is like an eight or a nine minute kilometer because it had 1500 meters or mm-hmm. 5,000 feet of elevation or something. And he was like, Oh, you must be injured. And I was like, <laughs> no, Ouch! <laughs> I, I, because it's not like a 430 pace is because it's in the freaking mountains. So I was like, listen, I have to take you. The only thing I can do is show you what, like what this means. And he's like, oh, there's like a lot of hiking and like sliding on your butt. I'm like, yeah, it's a very different game. So yes. Yeah. <laughs> throw out, throw out your expectations for pace for sure. And I mean, honestly, it's also just not going to be like 
it's not going to be an eight minute pace or a nine minute pace. It's going to be like a five minute pace for the first kilometer and then like a nine minute pace and then like a 13 minute pace somehow. And then you might hit a downhill and you're going to get like that four and a half and it's going to be amazing. But like, you're just, you can't expect the steady pace for the yeah, entire that's, thing. That's a very good point. And there's like no, there's no point in doing that. Like, Go say if you want to run for an hour, then run for an hour. Don't look at how far you're going. Or mm-hmm. if you want to run 10K, then just plan for a long day and make it fun. But yeah, don't worry about pace per kilometer. That's a really good point. Yeah, I try really. I definitely focus much more on like perceived exertion than anything else on the trails. I'm totally. trying to like maintain that. I mean, you could do heart rate if you're more of like a, a numbers person, but definitely do not look at pace. That'll just disappoint you so much. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, actually, you know, as a, as a mom who has a bunch of other responsibilities, you know, for you, it's, it, it really is important to remember that like the 10K might not be 50 minutes. It's, you probably need to plan for it to be much longer because otherwise you're sprinting home and you're miserable and now every, you know, everything's behind and you're late and now you feel bad and it's a whole thing. Yeah, actually, that's a really good point too. It's totally not just about performance. Like you're right. There's been, even knowing that there has been more than one occasion where I've texted my husband and been like, I'm so sorry, I'm going to be way later. And you don't want that feeling of stress or being rushed. And whether that be to get back to your kids or your dog or your friends or somebody that you said, if I'm not back at this time, then send a search party. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we're talking about these because I, in a way that sounds like kind of competitive or to improve all the time but like that's just the nature of molly and i think i think too and that these points are also just like how to keep it fun mm-hmm. decide no but. yeah exactly like if, if you can make it less stressful by not stressing about your pace that's gonna make it much more fun so totally. yeah. <laughs> we come from it from like a competitive side but it's also with this idea of enjoying it um yeah absolutely um and on that note, our, our next one is, and this is a tough one for me, but ditching the earbuds for trail runs and races, or if you like need that, that stimulation, you know, I definitely listen to podcasts on some of my longer ones. I will run with just one ear in so I can hear what's happening around me. Yeah. And so this one I just thought was like interesting in that it was really tough for me too. And at first I got like mad at trail races because I was like, this is how you get through races. And like the sound of music does pump me up. And I a hundred percent, if I have like a five hour run by myself, we'll listen to some music as well. But usually in places where I know that it, I'm not going to have a biker kind of sneak up behind me or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's good to just kind of be aware of, because what I find when people are coming to the trails for the first time is that like, it's just a huge shock to not have, something in your ears and making that transition is really difficult. Um, did you find that at all? Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And I was even actually saying to, to my husband, it's funny. I remember when I first got into running, I always ran with an iPod and I had like a, you know, playlist and I listened to music. And now I'm like, some of the time I'm like, I can't even get up the, the energy to go out for a run without podcasts. Even music seems boring. And I was like, Oh no, I need to really get back to not listening to anything because I've gone so far down the road of like, I need all of this extra stimulation and thoughts and stuff. And I like, like, Oh no, can I no longer be alone with my own thoughts? That's not good. Oh yeah. That's such a good point too. Cause I still like, if I have a local road run to do, I'm like panicking if I don't have music or podcasts or something for in the trails, I find it 
easier, but on roads, I still like can't do it. So maybe that's a good challenge too, to just in general, just see if I can even have thoughts that are yeah. <laughs> okay <laughs> to be with. Thoughts, exactly. Yeah. And there's actually a great book, um, Mindful Running by Mackenzie Havy that sort of talks about using your your runtime almost as that moving meditation. And I'm like, oh, right, I should get back to that. That's a that's a positive. And I mean, on the trails, the best time to do that, right? Like you can be so attuned with what's happening and, you know, listening for squirrels and you know, bears in your neck of the woods. And <laughs> and, and what noise does a squirrel make? It's a little like skittering like up the tree. <laughs> I don't know. My dog alerts me when they're ha- when that's happening. Fair, fair. <laughs> um, and I actually ran, like I would have thought that there's no way that I could run fast without it, but I ran my 10 KPB with Katie and I, she drove out here to run it with me and I wasn't going to be like, oh, yeah, run beside me and I'm going to listen to music. And it yep. was, so I didn't, and we made it through. So that was kind of cool too. But. Yeah, yeah. Well, actually, maybe that's it because we haven't had races in like two years now. Um, it, it's harder and harder to run without them because I'm, I'm used to putting in headphones for train, like some of my training stuff, but I would never obviously race with headphones. Like most races don't even allow it. So you well, have that, to get used to it. And that's where I came up with this point. Actually, I should have made that more clear at the beginning is that in trail races, because of the safety aspect, they don't let you. And that like, you don't want to get to a race having ran with music your entire life. And then someone be like, Oh, you can't have that here and go have like this additional stress and panic. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Although I usually try to figure out like one or two songs that are going to get stuck in my head for the the rest of the run and just roll with that. Totally. Yeah. Usually like the worst songs ever, but oh. it gets you through. <laughs> Just going to say, unfortunately, recently, it's like wheels on the bus. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, no. That's going to be in my head. It's going to be at everyone who just listened to this. Oh, we apologize. <laughs> if they have a toddler, it's already in their mind. Fair, fair. <laughs> and um, on the note of toddlers, our next tip is actually a uh, good segue. That was amazing. <laughs> I will. I'll let you do this one since you're okay, <laughs> so your this- wheelhouse. Yeah, like this is amazing. It's called Pantene, I think. So I have to be careful because I said this before and I kept saying Pantene was just shampoo. So do not put shampoo as shaving cream. It's Pantene. Maybe I'll link to it in the show notes. It comes in this little blue container. It is freaking amazing. So I don't know if you get the, like the underboob bra chafing, but I used to have to do like KT tape and then wax over top. Um, and this whole rigmarole to not basically look like I got attacked by a cougar and be bleeding everywhere. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, like it was bad. And I, I know other people have had that same issue. Like Tori's got so many scars. Um, and then just a few other random places. Like everybody's got these weird chafy spots. 100%. Yeah. So I just realized how fast the diaper cream worked on my kid and was like, I wonder if I just use a little bit of this. And it is amazing. Like, it stays on the whole way. I don't have to reapply. Yes, it's white. That's kind of annoying. But other than that, there's no chafing. It is totally smooth. I don't have to rip KT tape off after, and I don't even need that much. Um, and it has been just the hugest game changer of my life. So if you have a problem area that like is really painful or even has um, like chafe on, chafing on it already. And then you have to go out for another run, which is almost kind of the worst thing. This mm-hmm. You don't have to put tape on that. This is like a nice, soft kind of healing thing that you can put on your chafing spots. And it is absolutely magical. So that is my, I should really be sponsored by them. I'm not obsessed. 
I love it. I love it. And yeah, I mean, I have I have the same thing. I have like underarm. I have like inner thigh issues. And I mean, I will I will also say like this is not a like only a certain body type has chafing issues. This is every single runner I know. Like no matter how tiny, how how large, like everyone has that one spot that is just gonna rub. So. Yeah, that, the <laughs> underarm is super weird. It happens right. to me at the beginning of the year when I first start wearing tank tops. Yep. And yep. I think it's like rubbing against the material of the tank top on that skin. I, it must get so sensitive during the winter. And then it's fine by end of summer, but the beginning is just terrible. Yeah. And I have the same thing when I shift from leggings to shorts, like same exact, like first couple of weeks are just awful. And so I actually use, um, chamois butter makes a chafe stick. So it basically looks like a deodorant stick and then you just put that right on and super like similar to yours, super easy just no nonsense. This one is clear, which is really nice. So if you're putting it on your like thighs and you know, you're putting it where like you don't have shorts, you don't have like random white marks on your legs, which is a plus. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's been a, a game changer. And it, the game changer was actually admitting that I had issues with chafing because I, I felt like it was just like, no, I can't have chafing issues. Like, well, cause you're so small. So you actually get it on your thighs too, which surprises yeah. me. Yeah. I'm a tiny person. And like, I'll, like I'll, I'll say it, like my thighs don't actually touch if I like put my legs together, but when I run, they still do. And like the inside of my shorts still brushes on my skin. And when you're brushing on your skin for five hours or four hours or whatever, yeah, it's going to chafe. <laughs> mine, like mine always have touched. I have like big, strong thighs, but it never chafed before. Um, and then when I had a kid, it's like changed where my like chub sits and now it chafes every time. And <laughs> yes. So we're normalizing chafing here. It is yes. a human thing. <laughs> it is just a thing. And especially this time of year when you're like, I feel like I sweat more salt right now when my body's still adjusting to the temperature change and then mm-hmm. things like even out at the end. But yeah. I would agree with that for sure. And that's also people are like, oh, uh, can I just run a 50K or a 50 mile? And I'm like, no, you have to like build up your skin. This is the stuff that I mean. It's like there, it's not just fitness. There are so many things that can go wrong. Yeah, exactly. And that's like not even mentioning the skin on your feet. That's a whole other like woof, ball game. <laughs> yeah, actually, I don't know if we have anywhere else. We don't talk about it. We don't talk about feet stuff anywhere else. We should talk about that real quick. So yeah. A huge thing is like, yeah, your feet will probably break down before your body does if you are a good long road runner and think that you can just switch over to the trails because they're going to get wet and there's different types of running, um, sorry, rubbing when you're going downhill and the blisters are a real thing and you have to build up those calluses. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. Your feet will pretty much always be wet on trail runs is what I've, I've sort of come to realize and accept. And the first few times it's going to be rough. Expect, you know, you're probably going to get blisters. You're probably going to have a black toenail or two. Your feet will get stronger though. There is, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Totally. I think the important message is just like, you have this very simple reminder on your body that you need to build up slowly or you're not going to have a fun long day out there. Yeah. Yeah. And definitely when you're done with a run, if you are at like a trailhead or something, like get your shoes off and like let your feet breathe. Don't yes. go home in your wet shoes. Just, oh God. <laughs> it's it's like what I say to cyclists where I'm like, if you finish a mountain bike ride and you're driving home, take off your bike shorts. Don't like sit in your sweaty bike shorts. Same thing for your your wet shoes on the trail. Just, just let your feet air out a little bit. They're very pruney and very sad. <laughs> 
Very sad. I'm like the queen of just after the run, I just get naked in the parking lot. Hundred percent. Yeah. Stop caring. <laughs> Nobody minds. We all look the same. I want to be in dry clothes. Exactly. Exactly. And usually, I like to start really early, um, and then I will wear my pajamas to the trailhead, and then change, go for my run because I'm too lazy to get out of them in the morning when I'm cold, and then. After the run, I only have my pajamas to put back on. And Amazing. then I'll like go into a store to get a smoothie. And I'm like, I'm such a bum. I'm covered in dirt in my pajamas. I know. I know. There's a bakery that I stop at at the end of my long runs. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, they must think I'm like just the <laughs> grossest person. I want to apologize to them. <laughs> on the off chance, anyone from the Heavenly Cafe in Collingwood is listening. Very sorry for <laughs> showing up gross every time. Or yesterday I drove my car and was like, something is dead in here. And then realized that it's just that oh. my shoes were in the car and it's hot. Out, so. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> nope, just me. <laughs> yeah, there's nice, nice smells. Yeah. Um, okay, number five is a great tip, and that one's yours. Do you want to elaborate on that one? Yeah, yeah. So going hands-free, especially when you're on any kind of trail that's that's a little more technical, anything that's going to have rocks and roots and stuff. I mean, it, it's not to say that every, every run is going to end with you falling, but I think we can normalize the fact that, you know, as you get tired, your feet don't maybe come up as high, and maybe you trip a little bit. And if you're holding your water or you're holding your phone, especially your phone, like it's going to go flying. Um, not to mention you can't brace yourself, like you can't, you know, brace for impact or like grab a tree to stop yourself or any of those things if your hands are full. So I'm, I'm someone who really doesn't love having to wear a pack for every run. But at this point, every trail run I do, I will wear a pack just so I don't have to hold my phone, just so I don't have to hold a bottle of water. And it's made a huge difference, even just like in your balance and stuff. If you're not worried about hanging on to your phone, you are much more able to like, you can't see me doing it, but I'm like moving my arms around. You have a better, you know, way to balance and way to sort of like move your body around on the trail when you're unencumbered by stuff in your hands. You know, what's so funny is that I was just going to say that and it, I, it didn't like, I'm not a great downhill runner. And I definitely noticed that if I have something in my hand and that's why like I have people that run with handhelds and I'm like, how do you guys do this? Um, I will run slower because it throws my whole like proprioception off. It's so bizarre. Mm-hmm. So hundred percent, like if I'm running downhill and I don't, I like tuck everything into my bra um, because <laughs> even, even sometimes with gloves on, it takes me a second to be like, oh, this is weird. Like I have to get used to wearing gloves again. Yeah. It's, yeah. <laughs> it's so bizarre. Um, and it, it got better, but it definitely like hindered me for sure. And if I was going out for like a effort that I cared about. I would always have a pack, even if it's like 5k and be like, sorry, I'm just not carrying my car key, some food, water, and my phone for emergencies in my hand, like hundred percent. Or I guess you could have a vest or a belt in that situation, but yeah, exactly. I actually have a really good vest. It's a cycling vest from Velocia, but it has a zipper pocket in the back that actually fits a phone perfectly. So I've been running in that, even though it's getting much warmer out and the vest is total overkill. I keep going out in it because I'm like, ah, I don't feel like wearing a pack. I'll just throw on the vest and I'm like sweating to death, but at least my hands are free. So we've got that going for me. (laughs) Um, so number six is a great tip as well, but it's also yours. So why don't you go ahead and take that one too? And then I'll talk about number seven. Okay, perfect. Yeah. So number six is just scanning the trail ahead. So when you first start running, I think the tendency, especially on, again, super technical trails is to kind of keep looking down directly in front of you. And what you really want to be doing is looking down in front of you, because obviously that matters, but you also want to be looking up ahead on the trail and sort of seeing what's coming up. So it takes a 
it does take a while to sort of become good at trail scanning where you can kind of keep an eye on what's right in front of you, but you're also looking like 20 feet ahead of you, a few meters ahead of you. Um, but just kind of that constant like up and down, you don't, your head should not be bobbing up and down, but your eyes should be going sort of up and down. And it's just much much easier to kind of like anticipate the stuff that's coming up. If all you're doing is just looking directly under you, you're going to kind of start running into stuff basically. Um, So it's a weird, it's a weird one to kind of figure out and it's, it's a hard one to learn without just going out and doing a lot of trails, but it will help if you can keep that in mind. Yeah. And they say that about downhill running a lot too, which I've noticed and I'm sure other people have like, because by the time you get to that part of the trail, then your brain has processed it and knows what to do, but we don't process as fast as we are. Like if, like you said, looking right underneath of us. So yeah, that's, you can totally practice that ability to look ahead on the flats too. Mm-hmm. 100%. Um, and speaking of like really techie spots, so mm-hmm. it's okay to walk techie spots and also to walk Hills. It's so funny when people say or post, they're like, I'm going to run a trail half marathon, but I have to, I'm going to have to walk. So am I cheating? Or like, I didn't really do an ultra because I walked part of it. Walking (laughs) is part of it. Like you can power hike, which is technically a walk up a hill with less energy than you probably can run some of these things. Yes. Yeah. We, I've actually done this with my friend because she, she lives right at the base of a very steep section of trail. And we've tried like running up it versus walking up it. And I will tell you, walking is actually faster than than trying to run and you get to the top much less tired so yeah power hiking totally fine walking totally fine (laughs) yeah and even if you just want to walk because you feel like walking like this is not a sport that's gonna judge you or say that you're not a real jogger um yeah you know like you can do walk run intervals you can do whatever you want like it it doesn't have that same I guess, judgment that if you walked half of a marathon, somebody you would feel. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's hard to articulate, but you guys know what we mean. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And I mean, that comes back to that pace too, right? Like the, you're just not going to run a steady pace for an entire trail thing. So honestly, no one's going to even know where you walked and where you were running for a lot yeah. of it anyway. The other day, like we just had this good conversation going. And for some reason we went down to this like super runnable downhill and we just started walking, talking for a second until we saw another group of our friends running up the hill and we were like, oh God, we are walking down the easy run of the downhill and these people are running up. <laughs> we need to get it together here. But you would never know. Looked no. like a solid run. Exactly. Exactly. Because it was a solid run. It was. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I certainly felt like it after I had to eat everything that I could see. But mm-hmm. Oh, maybe that's like a good quick note is that uh, I do think trail running is a more full body activity maybe than like road running. So honestly, you can expect to be hungrier at the end of a trail run, especially if you're going like a 10k trail run versus a 10k road run. Like it's going to take longer in general, but you're also like you are shifting your, you know, you're shifting more, you're using more core, your arms are probably doing more work. So it's not shocking if you feel hungrier at the end of that than you would at the end of a 10k road run. Yes, that's a really good point as well. Again, back to my Ironman athlete was like, "Oh, like this many kilometers per week, I think I'm running like 80 or 90. He's like, should you be that tired? Yes. Because 30 K takes five and a half hours with that much elevation, not like a nice, easy under three hours on the road. So yeah, 
way hungrier, way more strength, way more work. So yeah, allow yourself to refuel after for sure. 100%. I like the next one too, because it goes a bit into how to do some technical uphills and technical downhills and my technical downhill running sucks. So what are your tips for shifting gears. (laughs) Yeah. So I like to think about, and I should also say, I actually am terrible. Like I can't really drive standards. So this is a weird tip for me to give. Um, But I actually think about shifting gears as I'm going uphill and shifting gears as I'm going downhill, Uh, sort of just like in my body, I kind of like I'll downshift when I'm going down a hill. And by that, I mean, I'm basically almost like sitting back a little more so I'm sort of leaning back a tiny bit more, shifting my my center of gravity, just just like a degree or two. We're not talking, I'm not like slumping back or anything, but just sort of thinking about, yeah, downshifting into that and like letting my stride, sort like letting my feet sort of just like fall naturally instead of trying to be like super controlled on it. Um, so that's, that's when I'm going downhill. And then when I'm going uphill, I'll actually do sort of the opposite. So I'll like shift up. So I'm actually almost shifting. So I'm a little more forward. So you're sort of leaning forward a little bit more and sort of leaning into the hill, uh, almost like when you're, you know, when you're a kid and you climb stairs almost by like putting your hands on the stairs that are like in front of you. Yes. hundred percent. I definitely climb mountains like that now. Yeah, exactly. Like that's basically what I'm thinking. Even if I'm not actually putting my hands onto the ground, I'm basically like acting like I'm about to. Yeah. Yeah. You're just using gravity to your advantage. And I I really like that because it's such an easy mental cue to just think about um, how your body should be relative to the ground. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And yeah, with, with downhill running, I think the more relaxed you can be, the better off you're going to be. And it's, it's a hard thing to learn because I mean, you're basically letting your body go, like the more you can let your body just kind of go out of control, the easier it's going to be, but that's also like super hard to do. Um, so don't, you know, don't feel bad if you're not like amazing at just flowing down the hill. A lot of like, you know, people spend years kind of perfecting that. And if you come from like a mountain biking background, sometimes I think it's a little easier to kind of get that sense because you you know how to go downhill on a mountain bike. So it translates pretty well. Totally. Um, I've heard other people say that as well, actually. And I like to ski really, really fast. Um, and I have found when I'm thinking about skiing, and I naturally kind of just let my body fall down the mountain. Mm-hmm. It's softer and smoother. But when I think, like I visualize snow on the ground, if I'm running down a super steep section, like working on running downhill, and it just becomes so much simpler instead of like overthinking where you would technically want to step. And like you said, it's kind of just this like controlled falling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's even where like the sitting back can be kind of helpful because if you think about like if you fall – and it, or if you stumble, but you're kind of like in the backseat almost, you're more inclined to just like fall on your butt versus like fall forward. So it's it's less of an issue. Yeah, <laughs> so totally. I think that kind of helps mentally. And, and then yeah. just just like pick small um, small portions. Like so, I run with Katie a lot, and she's like the best downhill runner ever. So that's why I always feel like I need to get faster and faster at this. So I'll just pick like short sections and be like, okay. My goal is just like 30 seconds of being so outside of my comfort zone that I'm like scared shitless. (laughs) Then I can stop and it's just 30 seconds, but like that just slowly bit by bit increases your comfort zone until it's bigger. Yes. Yes. I love that. Um, Okay. I like this next one. If you are going to an unknown area, have a map. Yes. 
Yes. It sounds so simple, but even knowing where I'm going, you can get turned around. It can get dark. Like safety has to be a requirement. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, I have my phone. And it's like, yes, but do you have the map downloaded onto your phone? And a lot of the apps that have like trail maps on them, like trail forks or all trails or any of those, I think you can actually definitely with trail forks, you can download like the chunks of map and, you know, Garmin's the same. You can download a chunk of the map onto your Garmin. Um, So you want to have that downloaded. You don't want to rely on your phone having data because when you're, you know, out in the middle of the woods, you might not have data. So we really want to make sure that if you need it, you can pull it up or you have it printed out so you can see where you're at. Yes, 100%. So I have this example of like, there's this local mountain that I run on all the time. I know the trails like the back of my hand. And my husband and I went up in November and it started to get dark and we realized that it was going to be way too dark to get to the one peak that we wanted to um, safely with what we had on us so that we would t- we turned around early um, and it was kind of like a loop course. One of our headlamps went out. So we were like, okay, so we've got one headlamp. We know this easy trail that we're going to go down, but we took the wrong trail without realizing because it was so dark. Neither of us had the maps like pre-downloaded again, because this is like, I could draw it out for you freehand. Um, and so we're like, okay, let's open Strava. We each had like a couple of bars and then at least we can see that little blue dot, like which direction we're heading and we'll know which way to go. Mm-hmm. We ran the same trail together right beside each other. Both pulled out our Strava after probably three or four minutes. His blue dot went one way and mine went the other way. So we were like, "Uh oh, (laughs) shit. So we literally just had to, I was like, okay, well, obviously we want to go down the mountain, but we know we're going to run into this creek. So we just like bushwhacked down until we got, and it was fucking scary on like a, a very normal route that I would do anytime um, and it is so simple. Like you can't fuck around with mountains. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Like you have to treat that with respect. A hundred percent. Yeah. It's definitely easier to screw up. Like, have you ever had any close calls that were like life-threatening? I'm trying to think. I don't, I wouldn't say life-threatening. I would say like in the moment we're like very scary and in retrospect, we're like not as dire as I like made them. But yeah, definitely have had a few like, oh boy, it's getting dark or oh, it's getting cold. And like, we're not prepared to be out all night if, the, if this like worst comes to worst. Um, yeah. Yeah. I had one where like we went up a trail that we know um, and we took a different route to kind of cut up onto the top of the house sound crest trail which is like some big giant mountains um and the trail kind of forked at one point and andy went one way and i went the other and you know when there's like a trail that looks like it's been walked on but maybe not that much and there's kind of bushes on on it like overgrowing onto it Mm -hmm. there was one like this and i was walking along and then it just stopped and it was like hundreds of feet up at the edge of a cliff so (laughs) I like grabbed onto the bushes beside me and like my whole body went numb and just like slowly stepped back, probably like a foot from the edge. Andy looked over because he came around the edge and like see, saw where I went down and we didn't talk to each other for like an hour where I was just (laughs) going through my head. Like that was almost it. And he was like going through his head, like, okay, so he'd call North Shore Rescue. Then he'd try to get down there, but there'd be nowhere I'd survive. So like, how would he tell my mom? And like, what would we tell the kid later? Like it was so freaky and I mean that's just kind of like a freak thing too where like you just have to be careful but 
I guess the tip there is like, if I had been looking at my phone or be doing something dumb, like I wouldn't have known that that trail ended. It yeah. was crazy. And that gets into the scanning the trail ahead, not just yes. looking <laughs> down at your feet. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Like you just never know. And I don't say that to scare people. I think there's millions and millions and millions of safe trails to get started. But like, even when you feel pretty confident, um, I think you can't forget these things. Definitely, definitely. Always be aware, for sure. Always have snacks and always be aware. Yeah. <laughs> and of course, our, our last major tip here is, it sounds kind of almost counter to what we just said, but have fun because it's seriously, <laughs> like you might, uh, no, seriously, it's, it's so much more fun. And I, I'm going to say safer than road running in a lot of ways. And I think it's, it's just such a great way to spend time out in nature and, you know, make your, make your running and your workout much more of like a, a mental uh, reset, mental calming kind of thing. And it's just, it's just so much darn fun. Yes, 100%. And I realized that, yeah, we took a pretty intense turn there, but like, <laughs> that is so, it's very rare for that to happen. But for the most part, I think too, people need to be less intimidated. So yes, have fun because there's a lot of beginners out there. And I know it seems like Instagram, everybody is like this fabulous trail runner who ever runs in the trails and they have $500 gear all over their body and they're sponsored by Salmon and Brooks, but that's not the truth. The mm-hmm. truth is that there are millions types of body shapes, personalities, skill levels, and they're all just out there enjoying the trails and it's can be way simpler than we make it. I don't know why it has this perception to be so intimidating because it's not. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And I will say, actually, to your point about Instagram, uh, every run that I feel like I see on Instagram, it's always like that really wide stance, like leaping kind of thing on the trails for some reason. Uh, like every runner is like doing this like huge like stride. <laughs> and I just want to point out that like, that's not actually how most runners are running 99.9% of the time. That was for the camera, 100%. (laughs) Yeah, so do not feel like you need to leap like a gazelle. (laughs) You're allowed to have a more efficient small stride, so. (laughs) Yes, there's there's very little leaping and people are flying far less than the Instagram setup run or photo that you see. Yeah. Even though I've totally taken that one before. Oh, yeah. We, we all have. Yeah. You still have to pretend that you can do it, but just the secret. Well, just telling you the secrets is that's not real. Yes, exactly. Um, yeah. So I think that that wraps up our tips. Any any last ones to, to add here? No, I think the biggest thing is just to enjoy it. Start small. And like, if you want to just go for a fast walk first on the route that you want to run and test out and then go for a jog, like that's a totally fair way to start. Um, and yeah, do you have any other tips you want to wrap up? And I also want to know, do you have any big goals coming this summer? Oh yeah. Good, good question. Um, no, I mean, I think we pretty much covered all of my, my top tips as far as big goals go. I have a couple thoughts for like an FKT situation, but actually I'm doing my ooh, first ever attempt at a hundred K coming up in a couple weeks here. So I'm getting a little nervous for that. Oh, um, amazing. But... You're going to, you're going to crush it. You're going to love it. hundred K is a super fun distance. Yeah. I'm, I'm really excited about it. That should be a fun long day. And I'm, I'll be honest, I'm actually more looking forward to like the week off after it where I'm allowed to just like keep eating and just like completely chill. Yes. Uh, so that's going to be pretty sweet. So yeah, that's that's my my next big goal. What about you? Yeah, I we also the FKT we want to do is 100k as well. Um it is 
the most unrunnable 100K ever. <laughs> I love it. Current record right now is 16 hours and 47 minutes. That's how non-runnable it oh, is. Oh, amazing. That's yes. going to be a good one then. It's going to be super fun. Yeah. So more details on that when we get closer, but it will be a lot of me trying to go fast on technical terrain, which is like not my strong suit. So it's a totally weird goal to have, but Hey, got to get out of your comfort zone, right? Yes. Fantastic. Well, um, um, are you going to post all about your hundred K? I'm stoked to follow along. I am. Yes, of course. I can't. Why else would I do a run? (laughs) If not to to post about it or talk about it, at least. Um, I haven't actually been on Strava for almost a year now, which is like a whole other podcast episode. Oh my Um, God. That's the next one we should do is the implications of social media and Strava on running. I think that would actually be an amazing one. We should yes. make that happen. So totally. if anyone wants to hear that, uh, definitely hit us up. Um, we're, um, I'm over at the Consummate Athlete Podcast and at Molly J. Herford on Instagram. And Hillary, what's... Uh, yeah, Trail Running Women Podcast. And you can find me on Instagram at hillsport55. And yeah, if you guys have any opinions, thoughts on Strava and how it's affected you, let's compile some uh, some comments. So send them in, DM us. We'll start a sheet and we'll talk about it. Amazing. Awesome. Hillary, this is so much fun. I yes. loved doing this. As always, it's so great to chat with you and thank you for giving me some early morning energy and have a <laughs> fabulous week. You too.